All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the So Baseball Podcast. We had a special guest today. Ab called in to talk to Dave, Ross, and Kevin about all kinds of fun things from the world of sports. Enjoy the show, everyone. Stay safe out there. So Baseball. Haber. Hey, Rossi. How you doing? I'm good. How about you? Good. You sound good. You're ready to ready Not to record. Loud. Perfect. Kevin? Okay. Hello. Hey, Kev. Hey, buddy. Merry Christmas. Hey. hey, Merry Christmas, everyone. I but I thought I had a I had a bit all lined up that I was like the we were having a foursome. There was the three Neglia, which are like the you know, Jack Nicholas and the Arnold Palmer and the Tiger Woods, and then there was me. The skins game. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I learned so much from you about golf on that last podcast, that one you did. So <laughs> I had well, no I had uh, I had to get you at your weak point, Kevin. Yeah. Well, no, I had no idea how that that whole what's that thing that the the cup, the Ryder Cup thing worked until I heard you explain you explained it in such a way that was way more clear than than anyone had ever ever whispered on network television. No, right. Well, Glad so it could help. You. Yeah, no, that was well, good. I mean in your defense, Kevin, um, they do seem to change the format of the Ryder Cup every oh, okay. time. No, they don't. It's, no, it's the same. <laughs> been the same for decades. All right. Well, you, that, my bad. Can you be on every show? Because we need that, you know, I Ross know. throws the stuff out there with such authoritarian voice. And then it's not true. There's always a fact checker. We have to. Uh, yeah. Well, if it's, if it's something I know about, I'd be glad yeah. to help. But, you know, yeah. if he throws oh. out some baseball thing, you know. Wow. He's still. Yeah. You have no way of t- checking it. That's oh, what cricket, I like. You know, I saw. Oh, we'll get to we'll get to cricket. Day. Yes. I showed a cricket highlight on ESPN the other day. It was one of the top ten. Wow! What was it a catch nice. or a, or a... no? A guy a guy pitched the ball, or whatever they do, and it, the batter swung at it, but it it went backwards, and another guy chased after it behind those pegs, slid on the ground, caught it, and from his back he threw it and hit those mm-hmm. pegs. Whoa! I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was an amazing run out. That's pretty cool. That's cool when it makes the you know the top. Nobody nobody knew what it was, but it, right. it was a good play. Whatever just, the hell it meant. It just looked good. Yeah, looked athletic. <laughs> yeah, you can you can admire a good athletic skill skill event even if you don't understand the the rules and iterations of right i mean if you don't know anything about baseball and you see a guy make a diving catch it's good even if you never watch baseball right right Right. and that's yeah and that's where um why why football has such a easy access because it's kind of you don't have to know all the finer points it's a little bit more uh literal and, and in your face kind of thing so basketball too you know for the most part yeah, you see an amazing play. It's like, wow, I couldn't do that. Yeah. yeah, I took our friend from England that we met on a cruise one time. He was in San Diego and went to a Padres game. He had never seen a baseball game. So he was kind of nice. amazed at what was going on. And Yeah. You know. the, the thing that they always say, every time I brought someone who's never been to a game before, they always say, the grass is so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, I love because, the park. Yeah, because yeah. The, when you walk into it, that that's your first impression, right? Like the field and and everything, and it's just like if if the field is nice, 
um, you know, they're just like, wow, they're like that, that catches their eye first and foremost. Yeah. yeah. So it's just so, cause, and it's just kind of, you know, if you, it, we, we know what the baseball diamond's all about, but if you just see it kind of, you know, unprepared, you're like, whoa, yeah. what's this, you know? So and really- the, and the, the, the outfield is just so much bigger than the infield. I remember mm-hmm. I, uh, Wendy and I went to a Mets game and we had pretty good seats. Um, we're sitting like in the seventh row at city field. And uh, there was quite a few pop-ups to the outfield and kind of like lazy fly balls. And Wendy, Wendy turned to me and said, so basically if it's hit up in the air, they pretty much just catch it every time. Very good. <laughs> and like, you well, know, they like, do. Yeah. <laughs> if it stays in the park, it looks so hard, but that, you know, for a normal person to just to get under an average like pop fly to the outfield would not be easy, but right. they make it look like automatic. Yeah. Very nonchalant sometimes. And that's a lot of ground to cover. Yeah. And well, and that's, you know, that's why we have our positioning now because they try to, which is kind of weird because it kind of eliminates the great plays because if they kind of know where the guy is going to hit it, they can be in the, in the area. So. Right. That's All another right. discussion, well, but yeah, let's, let's get into our topics um, while we have you both. Um, and Dave will be joining us momentarily. But um, before we go any further, I know we're all a fan of Chicago sports. And we just wanted to uh, note the passing of the legendary Jerry Harkness, infamous, uh, famous, famous basketball player from Loyola, Chicago. And Ab, if I'm not wrong, you actually got to see him play, right? Well, I'm trying to remember back. See, we won it in 63, and I started at Loyola in 64. So I think he was still playing that year. Right. So um, so you were a senior in high school when they won the national championship. Right. But the games were not on TV then. Oh, really? No. No, He he mentioned this on a, a previous podcast, Ross. I know. <laughs> I did, but I, I'm pretty sure they were not because I was yeah. reading up on Jerry Harkness when I saw that obituary thing, and they were talking about the you know the famous game where they played Mississippi State, which was the called, semifinal. Uh, I don't know, I think it was second round maybe, but um, where Mississippi State was not going to play any team that was integrated. Right. Wow. They wouldn't play anybody with black players. So right. They, so they had an injunction against Mississippi State, the governor or the state, whatever, courts, and said, no, you can't go play because you might have to end up playing a team with black players on it. So Mississippi State wanted to go. So they snuck out in the middle of the night on a private plane and flew to. East Lansing where the game was and they played against Loyola. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, it was like a, you know, historic game because Loyola had four black players starting and nobody, there was kind of an unwritten rule that you only start three black players, max or something. So, so they played in East Lansing and, you know, the, the game went well and there was no incidents and Loyola won and then Loyola went on to, you know, beat Cincinnati 
in, in the final double overtime. You know, they came wow. from 15 yeah. points behind in the second half. Like with six minutes left, they were 15 down. They came back. Exactly. They had a buzzer beater at the end to tie it and then one by two in overtime. And so, of course, when I was at Loyola the freshman year, they had a big screen up there and they would just play the whole game on a loop constantly. <laughs> you could just, whenever you went in there, the game was on. Wow. They played it for like a year. Right. And Sister so, Jean was there at the time. Well, Sister Jean, I don't remember Sister Jean. She was at the all-girls college right. next to Loyola. Which Mundelein. was called what? what Mundelein. Was mm. And that was the all-girls school. Of course, Loyola was co-ed. And so Sister Jean was there. Okay. And then she moved over to the, the main I guess campus. at some time later when I think Mundelein over the years kind of integrated with Loyola somehow. And, right. And melded in and Sister Jean... I mean, with a name like Mundelein, I don't know why you would ever want to get rid of it. It sounds well, like something out of Harry Potter's where the kids with no magic go. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, that was <laughs> that was a uh, little small school. And, you know, right. So know. I'm seeing here on the Associated Press obituary for Jerry Harkness that that game you were describing against Alabama or sorry, Mississippi State, was known as the Game of Change. Right. And of course, that was 1963. So the civil rights movements was not not exactly in its infancy, but um, still very much uh, kind of people were waiting to see which way things were going to go. So this was like a pivotal moment in American race relations and, and perceptions. Yeah, it was because the South was still, you know, very segregated. Right. So, so R.I.P. He went on to be um, like an amazing um, kind of civil rights advocate and and did a lot more than just his college basketball career. Um, so, uh, R.I.P. Jerry Harkness, and yep. uh, you will the, be missed. The one thing I was going to note that I just saw was that in that game, that final championship game, Loyola only played five players. Really? No, according to what I was just reading, that they had no substitutions in the game. The the starters played the entire game, which that is could crazy. Be right, yeah. Which is crazy with you know overtime. <laughs> also, well, with no shot clock, they're not really running up and down the court as much. So no, maybe they weren't time, as tired. There used to be there used to be a lot of stalling. Mm-hmm. Oh right. right, a lot of standing. Yeah, okay. They were but just still, that's a pretty corners pretty pass the ball around. Pretty uh, pretty impressive though. Still, I think. Yeah. So, um, so should we talk about Tiger Woods and his son and his return to competitive golf? We could, and then we could go back to an update on the present day Loyola. Oh, right. Okay. So let's go. Let's talk about the present day Loyola while we're well, here. Okay. They're in the uh, Missouri Valley Conference. Okay. They're nine and two. So they're in the. They're You're in kidding. The, yeah. They're, they're ranked twenty second in the country. Are you kidding me? I'm They're not. good again? They're good again. Well, oh, they, dang. They lost to Auburn, who is ranked, I think, 18 or 19. Mm-hmm. And they lost 
they lost at the buzzer to Michigan State a couple weeks ago. So I I owe you a huge apology for for totally writing off this year's team. I didn't even know they were good again. No, they're decent, but you know, it's still half the season only. It's only yeah. 11, 11 games they've played. The next two games are canceled with COVID, and then yeah, I guess next you know next January they'll start up again. I mean, we'll get into this later when we talk about UCLA, but. Um, COVID has really wreaked havoc with the the college basketball schedule. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, UCLA have had three games in a row canceled. So, yeah, here I go. Loyola are ranked 33 in the latest poll. That's fantastic. All right, good for them. Um, so maybe we'll see them in this year's tournament. Maybe uh, they, well, the Bruin Bear will. Valley. So here's the other news of Loyola. They're moving out of the Missouri Valley next year into the Atlantic 10. Oh, dang. That's a big move. Apparently. And they won won the tournament last year, right? Um, I think they didn't. I think they got knocked out pretty early. They got knocked out early. They got knocked out early if they were in. I think they Two years ago when it was when they made that kind of pretty big run, right? When they made the final four. I think it was three years. Three years ago. they, um, they They made it to the final four. Well, they got they got into the Sweet Sixteen last year, from what I'm reading, and they also they knocked off a, a number one Illinois. In uh, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, I'm not a big college basketball fan, so I'm appreciating all this knowledge. So I'm I'm not either. Till the NCAA, it's probably yeah. the only time I watch. But um, okay, we can go on to uh, something that everybody knows about. <laughs> All we right. Well, skip we're just over gonna... Tiger Woods for a moment. No, I want to. I want to hear more about. I want no Tiger Woods. Let's well, see. we're just basically here to say like um, how I think how refreshing and fun and cute it was for everybody to see Tiger Woods' son out there doing his moves, like uh, dressing, you know, twinsies and kind of doing a a riff on his dad's infamous like spinning the putter, the fist pump. Like it was just like the cutest thing you've ever seen um and a feel-good story all around for tiger after his really gruesome car crash to just to be back out there so i was just you know i think everybody kind of got that feel-good feeling did anyone else have any other well i comments? think everybody everybody watched it even if they weren't big golf fans because tiger woods was back what was going to happen and this is kind of a you know fun tournament it's a it's a, like a father-child tournament. Yeah, why did we Some never people, play in this tournament? Why did you and I never <laughs> play? Well, I guess they, I guess they have a limited field, <laughs> and we, we probably just missed out a couple. Years. Yeah, just missed out by a couple strokes, you know. So, um, you know, not everybody's in it if they don't have. Well, you know, like Phil doesn't play in it, or you know, there's only, I think there's only twenty-five teams. So, well, what's so what's the age of the father's father child like well what, i what think is the it? youngest kid was uh henrik stenson's son was 11 okay and charlie woods is 12 and then there was you know there some people were playing with their dad like justin thomas played with his dad oh okay who's you know in his early 60s maybe or late 50s so so you don't have to play with your kid. You can play with your dad. Bubba Watson played with his father-in-law. You know, other people. Gary Player, 
who's 86, he played with his grandson and Lee Trevino played with his son who's, you know, in his thirties. Um, so anyway, so, so the, prof so the professional golfer can be the father or the son. Right. Or the grandpa. Right. Or the grandpa. So your friend Tony could have taken, could have been taken out by his son. Right. If Pat Perez was invited. But, so maybe Pat Perez will get invited and then Tony can play in this one of these years. Yeah. That'd be awesome. And it's my understanding that John Daly and his 18-year-old son won. That's who won. Yeah. That's who won. They they just beat out and Tiger came in second. So that's pretty amazing. It is. But given that yeah. his son is 12. It, what's more amazing is how well his kid plays. Right. Yeah. He's 12. I mean, he made some fantastic shots fantastic putting so of course he was playing from a little closer tees than, mm -hmm. the, sure. than the pros like he was about 60 yards 70 yards in front but still for 12 that's not that much no no the that's, ama that's amazing 300 you know so he was hitting the ball about 220 dang and i 12. think i I think in the overall picture too, I think this is great for Tiger Woods because it gives him something, you know, to, to come back from, you know, so it's, uh, and, and, you know, something to look forward to. So it's good yeah. for the overall image yeah. of Tiger Woods too, because, yeah. you know, now he's with his kid, it's kind of family oriented and, you know, yeah. but you could see on that last nine holes, he was grinding. He wanted to win that thing. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. just like well, oh, no. yeah. it's a fun exhibition. He's not like that. He's like Michael Jordan in that. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. gonna win. Start playing better, you know. Yeah, I, I saw. Well, they great, were the winners in our hearts, anyway. I saw a great interview with Steph Curry and Michael Jordan talking about golf. That was uh, that was really really interesting because they didn't even talk that much basketball. They were talking golf, right? And, uh, and it was it was pretty cool. Well, you know, all those guys love golf. Yeah. So well, they love a, to gamble on it. Sorry, go ahead, Ab. Here's a here's a good transition. We can talk about football. I was just reading that Kyler Murray. Okay. Yeah. Is the quarterback for the Cardinals? Cardinals. Yep. He took all his offensive linemen to a club fitting place. Wow. He had he bought them all autographed bags you know like tour bags with their name number and he got them all club fitting things and gave them four grand to buy clubs nice so they can all all these guys can learn to play golf who don't know how and they're all gonna have custom-made clubs so cool i so, love the tradition of the quarterback gift to the yes. lineman yeah uh, dating back to the uh, Dan Marino Isotoner Gloves commercial from the 80s where Dan Marino, uh, the reason he could pass so well, according to the commercial, was his linemen loved him so much because he bought them fur-lined Isotoner Gloves for Christmas every year. <laughs> right. Do you guys was, remember that commercial? Yeah, I do. I remember that. And then also I, I knew that the, the quarterbacks would always buy like watches and other things like that for the linemen too. Right. I mean, they better, right? They're grinding away to keep them from getting sacked. Yeah. Well, because the linemen never used to make anywhere near what the quarterback did. Right. 
Right. I mean, now it's a little different, but they make a living Um, wage. But speaking of NFL linemen and quarterbacks, bringing us to our next topic, Ab's old racquetball buddy, Dan Fouts. Really? um, I wonder what kind of, I wonder what kind of gifts he gave to his offensive linemen like Ed White, another another family friend who I met once or twice at Chargers camp. Um, Ab, tell us, well, how did you come to even meet Dan Fouts? Well, here's how it, here's how it happened. Well, I knew Ed White from the office. He'd lived he in- was a patient. His kids were come to you as, as a patient. Well, they could have been since we can't really divulge any of that. So <laughs> thanks for HIPAA, HIPAA. <laughs> even though it's probably beyond the you know statute of limitations of talking about it. But so I met Ed White through my office. And so I used to go play racquetball at lunchtime at another racket, which was about fifteen minutes away. And they had a big gym there and they had about nine racquetball courts. So one day when I was in playing racquetball with a guy, I saw Ed White. He was working out in the gym. And in there also was Dan Fouts and a couple other chargers. So they got so Ed started talking about racquetball. I said, Yeah, I come at lunchtime because I got a two hour lunch and play racquetball. He said, Yeah, we wanna we wanna play. So I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can come at lunchtime, play if you want to. He said, well, we only got three guys, so we need another guy because they wanted to play doubles. Which is a preposterous idea given the size of those guys. Preposterous. I don't like to play doubles because it, it's, it's too prone. It's too injury prone. There's too many yeah. guys running around. Especially if you hit a lineman. Well, <laughs> plus, we... plus if you play with people that aren't, experience they're swinging wildly mm-hmm. you know so you got to watch out that you're not going to get hit by a racket forget the ball but get hit by a racket so anyway yeah. long story short we started playing racquetball with ed white me fouts and luther ed luther the backup quarterback oh boy so who would have a um, uh, an interest in Dan Fouts maybe not being able to make his next start. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we so we used to play, you know, so that's how I got together with playing with them. And, you know, sometimes um, after Dan, so that was, I think, the last year of Fouts' career. It was like really? in the mid-80s, like I think 85 or 86 was his last year. So then the next year, they were still, Dan Fouts was still going over there and working out. And so I would play racquetball with him, just singles. He got into the game. Yeah, he got into it. And he would always wear a windbreaker, like to get really sweaty, you know. And Mm. whenever I played him, no matter how far ahead I was, like we would play to 21, it could be 2010, my favor. I couldn't win. Wow. I couldn't get another point. 
<laughs> that's how competitive he was. I mean, because in racquetball, you could get lucky and a ball bounce and, you know, you get a point. But I is never... racquetball in racquetball as long as you keep winning the point, you keep serving, right? Right. So you can go on a run of sorts. Oh, you can go on a big run. Well, it if... sounds like Fouts went on a huge run. I don't know if he was just toying with me, but I don't think so. He wasn't letting me get that far ahead and then try to stop me. It's not like you were playing with a kid, you know, or something. If I only you pretty... could have gone on that run against the Cincinnati Bengals in the ice bowl. I know. I was a pretty good <laughs> racquetball player, so I could keep pace with him. But these guys, when we played doubles, these guys, if a ball came back to them, and usually if somebody's in front of you and a ball comes to you and you're they're right in front of you, you just call a hinder and you don't hit, you know, and then you take the point over. But these guys, if the somebody was right in front of them, they would just hit the ball as hard as they could right <laughs> into them <laughs> on purpose. Oh, Jesus. Oh, yeah. You are willing to play with these guys. This you can is, take yeah. the football player off the football field, but no. there's still you can't take the football player out of the football field. Oh, player. I mean, I caught a I caught a couple on the back, you know, oh. and the, ne- the next day you would have a black and blue mark the size of a softball. Yeah, that leaves a welt on your back or on the back of your thigh, you know. So I brutal. Anyway, so it was it was a lot of fun playing with but, those guys. But um, that's so baseball. Well, D- Dan Fouts, and there's a connection here too. Dan Fouts is from San Francisco and actually went to SI for his, his last two years of high school uh, in in uh, San Ignatius here in in San Francisco. So right, um, Bay Area legend as well as San Diego legend. Right, right, and then also the other really crazy connection was Bill Walsh was the Chargers assist offensive uh, coordinator when Fouts was there in his early part of his career. Well, and, here's, and... here's the, here's the interesting thing, Kev, when Fouts was just starting, when he was a rookie, you know who the quarterback for the Chargers was? No. Johnny Unitas. Oh, wow. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Wow. So I used to, when I was, when I was playing with those guys and I would ask Dan like are you you know are you working out a lot in the summer or whatever and he said no he said Johnny Unitas told me you only have so many throws in your arm so you don't want to just be like overtraining because that arm is only going to throw so many balls yeah and then you're done or you're not as good so he said, "No, I don't. I don't practice that much in the summertime, till training camp. You know, so. But that's who he. That's who his mentor was. Oh, that's amazing. Interesting. I didn't know. But that. he still kept in. He still kept in shape and worked out. Got his fitness going. Right. But the throwing, no, he gave his arm a chance to to heal and uh, kind of get back to it. I mean, just rest the arm kind of like, yeah, you know, maybe pitchers in baseball think that too. Yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah. do. Yeah. They only have so much. Yeah. The arm can only do that so much. Well, that's why somebody like Jacob deGrom who became a pitcher late, sometimes this will happen in baseball where a pitcher uh, or a player will get drafted as like a shortstop or mm-hmm. whatever. And they're like, you know what? This guy can, just cannot hit. 
at the major league or triple A level, like their hitting is not where you would need it to be, even for a position like uh, shortstop. So they convert shortstops into pitchers. If the shortstop has a great arm, they're like, well, this guy's a, you know, a great player. He really can't hit the major league level, but let's convert him to a pitcher. Someone like Zach Greinke, that's what happened to him. Um, Jacob deGrom was a position player all through his early playing days. And then he started pitching at such a later age that they're like, he just doesn't have the mileage on his arm like some of these other pitchers do at his age. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I know he ended up last year injured, but prior to that, they had said, you know, he's going to, he's going to pitch longer because he started pitching later. So that makes sense. You know, your arm isn't as worn out. I've been playing catch with my boss at the top on the fourth floor of the parking garage at our lunch break. Um, <laughs> this guy is a little younger than me, but he's got like a natural movement, like a kind of a cut fastball, like a, like just by how you grip the ball. It just it dances around. And I think I'm going to bring him out to pitch with my men's wooden bat league next season because the guy would strike everybody out. You can't hit this stuff. All right. Well, we'll be there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send All right. Me some so, tickets. Send me some tickets. Front row. So speaking of UCLA, um, we've got um, three cancellations in a row. We were all meant to go to Poly Pavilion on Wednesday night to see Wendy's beloved Cal Poly Mustangs take on the Bruins. And uh, that game was canceled due to COVID. So UCLA are now kind of, they're, they're, they're uh, still quarantined. They're not even practicing. We have a game coming up on December 30th against Arizona, who are the number one and two ranked teams in the Pac-12. Now, unlike their previous cancellations, if UCLA cannot make this game, they get a loss. It's not like, oh, sorry, we'll make it up or you'll, don't worry about it. It's a tie. No, if UCLA have COVID and Arizona do not, and UCLA can't play, then they get a loss in the Pac-12. So you, Arizona are 11-0, USC are 12-0, and UCLA are 8-1 and with that abysmal loss to Gonzaga. So UCLA, you guys got to heal up, test negative, everybody be safe out there. So and the, let's are get, they going to put fans in or what? I don't even know. It's it's such a strange time. I think they've been having some games without fans. I've, highlights I've been seeing, not UCLA, yeah. but I mean other teams. It's There's a weird teams time without fans. This new variant is definitely hitting young people more than any of the previous ones did. Um, well, and I know I cases think... have been mild, but it's it's weird out there. We don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I would go to a game with you know ten thousand people there. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Even with boosters and whatnot. Even with boosters and masks. I mean, that's a lot of people. It's like going on a cruise, you know. You got 5,000 people. Even I saw an off... Sorry, go ahead, Albert. I was going to say these cruises, they got 5,000 people. They all get on. They're all negative. The next day, they all get off. They go around a little town. Mm-hmm. They interact with everybody in the little town. Then they get back on. 
Right. Then they, all, then they all walk around, swim, have dinner. Then the next day, they all get off again, interact with another little town, all get back. I mean, there's no way you're not going to spread it. It's a numbers game. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really yeah. 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 I mean, from a public health thing. Yes. Yeah. No, if you're going to have a bubble like that, a cruise ship, you can't let anybody off the ship. You just gotta right. cruise around. Yeah, these yeah. little boats come out with the trinkets and they throw it and you throw the money to them. You know, <laughs> like it's they do in Catalina. Yeah, it's just like die for coins or whatever. Yeah. you know, kind of. Yeah. Um, not to dwell too much on COVID, but I saw a tweet the other day that says it's as contagious as measles. Um, now, Ab, as a as a physician, what does that mean? As contagious as measles? Measles is probably the most highly contagious childhood illness, you know, compared to chicken pox mm -hmm. and, you know, all these other, you know, German measles and all these other childhood respiratory illnesses. Measles is the most contagious. Like if you why, why was that? It's just the virus is, yeah. stays around longer in okay. the air. So if, you know, if you go into a room and, kid was in there with measles an hour ago you could catch it oh right. wow yeah yeah that's why when when kids get measles you they get isolated they get um you try to isolate them from the rest right. of their family or other other people or you know unless people have been exposed right um well bad. most people now have been vaccinated yeah exactly yeah so it's only the unvaccinated again that are yeah you know susceptible to measles yeah um but it's very contagious. So yeah. if you haven't had measles, you know, you're likely to get it if you're anywhere near somebody. Mm -hmm. Right. So, well, that's the scary story. It's a scary time. And I hope everyone out there is being safe. Um, my brother who will be joining us momentarily and I uh, decided that we were not going to be gathering tomorrow, despite uh, it being a Christmas holiday. Um, we're going to take a pass just because, uh, you know, my, my office emailed me and told me um, they've had a couple of positive cases in the office. So I'm just like, well, why take the risk? Even if we're all vaccinated, it's like, you know, we, we could go through the whole thing of getting tested, but, um, you know, even that's not 100% reliable. So um, since I have been into work this week, we're just going to give it a miss. So, yeah, um, not a bad idea. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Sometimes you got to make some hard decisions. And well, we we had a nice uh, we had a nice pre-Christmas celebration already. So we really did. That was wonderful. Um, and I feel I feel blessed and fortunate that we got to do that. So are we going to talk a little so baseball or you know I only know one fact so I really okay lay it on out. me lay it on me what's uh, the fact the Dodgers signed Bellinger for uh, seventeen million. That's right. I saw that. Yeah, which is interesting because it happened before December first, but they're just it just came out now. So it's not a it was a low profile signing that just got, you know, released. Yeah. So And that was just a, an arbitration year, right? He wasn't gonna be a free agent. They were just saying per, yeah, we they gave avoided... him seventeen million to avoid arbitration. Exactly. Yeah. And which which is a pretty good deal for him because he had a, a not a very good season. Do you think but that's a good deal, Kev? Just a mere hundred thousand per game, <laughs> <laughs> based on his output last year. Yes, so very good deal. Yeah, 
good deal for him. I don't know about so the if Dodgers. He gets but, one you know, hit like a game. He get if he hits one ball a game, he gets a hundred thousand a hit. That's yeah, pretty good. You, you try. <laughs> you try. <laughs> I would take that. I probably wouldn't get the hundred thousand, but I would try. Yeah, but over over a hundred and sixty games, you know, season, yeah. you might get one hit for a hundred grand. Yeah, he does play. Long... He, he does play pretty good defense. So yeah, we, we he have to, he, yeah, he has to get paid for that, and that's you know every inning. So it's just crazy how much they make now. Oh you know? yeah, but but it's also but it's crazy that it, it, Ross and I were talking about this a little bit that you know. Um, if you look at when free agency started in the mid seventies, the revenue for baseball has also exploded since then. So, so it's, it's not that the money, you know, they make a lot of money, but there's a lot of money being generated by the sport too. Is that so, mostly by TV? Cause it's not by ticket sales, right? It's, no. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a combination of a lot of things. Uh, base, baseball has an, an interesting um, breakout. Unlike, other sports like NBA and and NFL, which you know get money most money from a, a national TV contract, uh, they do. Uh, baseball does get a lot of money, but it's mostly from the playoffs money that's divvied up. But the big money is the local TV and right. radio rights. So if you're in a larger market like New York Yankees, you make a lot more money off that. Because the thing about baseball, why, why it's attractive to uh, advertising is it's so every almost every day and and it's a group that keeps coming back so 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 your your audience is kind of locked in for like six months um every day local they're gonna watch the same broadcast of their local team yep you're absolutely right whereas basketball and football is a national broadcast typically Correct. Yeah. I mean, NFL is, is all national um, c- contracts and, and each of those teams get the same amount of money. So there's not um, there's not a, a difference. But it's which kind teams- of regional, too. Right. Like even if to my team's on CBS, it's only the West Coast CBS stations that are showing my team and Whoa. the East Coast CBS stations are showing the New York Jets or something. Yeah, exactly. But but the money is the same. The money's not. There's 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 a contract that's divided by 32, so uh, you know there's no there's no like oh because you're we're on this market or that market. It's just there's a big contract, and all the teams share in the revenue of that contract evenly, um, and so that that's why that's also why the NFL has always had, you know, lots of money uh, in terms of you know, teams, and this year, especially we've talked about this is that these teams are kind of, there's, there's, there's the good teams aren't that far from being the not so good teams, you know? So, right. um, it, and, and that has a lot to do with the fact that everyone's got money to spend if they need to, or they want to, you know? So, um, but if I could get back, that's a, that is a good point, Kevin. And I, um, I fully agree with that, but if I could just bring you back to my dad's original point about Cody Ballinger. Yeah. Cause I have actually pretty strong feelings about Cody Bellinger. Um, yeah. I know he's the butt of a lot of jokes because he looks like a stoner and he kind of got this spaced out look in his face and uh, you know, he stupidly injured himself on an arm bash. Uh, <laughs> yes. You know, the, the reason he sucked for the first two thirds of last season is, 
because he was recovering from shoulder surgery on his non-throwing arm that he injured doing an arm bash after a home run. So and like, who was that with? Kike Hernandez. There you go. So, you know, I, I sympathize with the guy. I love the guy. He, you know, you got to say, even when the Dodgers were promoting him down to seventh in the order or benching him, you know, he was having a terrible plate. And, um, but I think the way he finished the season showing, okay, he's, he's healing. He's kind of back. He's making good contact. Uh, I think the Dodgers can have confidence in him. He's a former MVP. So like you said, he plays great defense in multiple positions, either first base center field. I mean, that's, that's huge. I mean, there's very few other people who can handle both responsibilities and play them well. But um, I also kind of liked to see the way he handled the setbacks and the, he wasn't like slamming helmets or like being a prick or whatever. Like he just sort of, kept hitting 179 and sucking and taking the criticism in stride. And like, he showed he could do it at the end of the year. And I think, you know, he's going to be the, with the Dodgers losing Corey Seager and kind of having a little bit of a new, new look in 2022, like belly is maybe possibly the new face of the franchise. So well, That's it's my nice take. hearing from the Cody Bellinger fan club. <laughs> yeah, I like, I like and, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> and the way, the reason why he acted the way he did, because he was stoned. Maybe um, I mean I'm stoned but, right now. What are you going to do? Uh, that's different kind of stony. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I, it's a transition year, right? Because I agree with you. He he also got hurt early in the year in Oakland, which was not because of that. He had a collision with uh, running down the line, I think, at first base or something. Hey, um, Davey. Oh, Amber. Hey, how you doing? Amber. I'm good. How'd you know I was in here? Uh, I, I got my ways. I figured you're coming in around 40 minutes late. So I was, <laughs> I was waiting for you. Yeah, we, uh, we're, we're still we're still hosted. Dave, <laughs> you just... sound fantastic. My Lord. Well, I got a bunch of new equipment from somebody. <laughs> you sound the best you've ever sounded. What are you using? I'm using Apple gear. Nice. All right. Good. Well, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. Um, the, Rossi the Elf made a little special delivery this morning up to Dave's place, some new audio gear. And I have to say, whatever, whatever you're using, stick with it. I'm going to keep using it. Now, All right. you, you didn't drop up any green statues, did you? <laughs> no, not this year. <laughs> okay. Good. Just wanted to make sure. Um... <laughs> that green baby. Where is that green baby? Hopefully somewhere lost in Eagle Rock. He's around. I can't exactly put place him right off the top of my head, but he's definitely around somewhere. The green baby sleeps with the fishes, I think. He's here somewhere. All right, Dave. Well, thanks you for joining us. I'll tell you what you've missed. We've talked about Loyola basketball, Tiger Woods, Dan Fouts. Um, we still have a few topics to cover, but now that you're here, I feel like we can get into a little bit of the NFL which we've had held off on. Oh, okay. Um, Kevin, how did you feel about last night's uh, 49ers Ugh. game? Ugh. Agony. That was a rough one. That was, that was pure agony. Um, second half, just nothing. And missed opportunities in the first half. And it, the, the 49ers are, if you noticed, if you happen to watch the game, the first drive, first possession, they like whipped it down the field. They scored etc and they had this this whole game plan um but that's it 
it's like once the script is done, there's no there's no ad living. There's no it's just like, okay, you know, we're done with the script. What do I do now? And that's where Jimmy G gets them in trouble. Well, I don't know why they went away from what was working. It, they had the run working great. It, it, and and then they they let Jimmy G start start throwing it around and exactly. he fucking chunked it. Yeah, exactly. No, and it's very interesting because I happen to catch, and I don't always listen to. I happen to catch like a radio thing with uh, a reporter who covers the Titans from ESPN, and he goes to all their practices, and he was talking. And he's like, the Titans want the Forty ers to throw the ball. That's that's that would be that yeah. they take that any day, then they'd have a, a chance to win. And I'm like, this interview is on the 49ers radio station on you know <laughs> Tuesday. I'm like, didn't someone hear that and pass out? And the guy's even giving him, he's like, Oh, they got a guy who's just running around on the, on these plays and wearing number 19, so they know where Debo sat, you know, playing, you know, playing the role, kind of like the uh, debate club, you know, where you've got the other guy debating for the yeah. stand in. And so there it was. And you watched it on those picks. It was like 19 was like everyone was, you know, floating around him. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, was... that sucked. I, I felt for you, man. That was that was tough. Yeah. So it was a comeback loss for the Niners. The the, um, the Titans came back on you. Oh, look at that. Yeah. 20 points in the second half. Of- yeah. The oh, Niners yeah. were up 10 nothing at the at the half and they were they should have been up like 20, nothing by the way the game had played out. Right. There was a, a long drive and then an interception in the end zone. Uh, oh, there was like a Jimmy couple G. easy, easy drop balls. Yeah. There was yeah. just a lot of, lot oh, of yeah. stuff. And... There was a lot, there was a lot of controversy on ESPN today about Jimmy G and like, why don't they put the other kid in, you know? Well, I don't think the other the guy's ready. I think, um, and I think they're just – well, I, I have lots of issues. I mean, do, does, does Shanahan always have to have that scowl on his face? Like, like, like <laughs> just, he just looks like, uh, like I'd rather be somewhere else, you know? Right. And, well, the, and, that's weird that you say the other kid because last time I followed football closely, Jimmy G was the other kid to Tom <laughs> Brady. And they sent well, him you out know, the, the kid, what's his yeah, name? Trey. Tyler. Yeah, Lynch. Trey. Um, yeah, he's – so I don't think he's ready because he also with, you know, a lot of these college kids with the COVID era, um, they don't have as much playing experience as, you know, uh, previous years of, of batches of quarterbacks coming out of college. Cause they're, no, but they were saying today, Kev, that you yeah. know, they were using them a little at the beginning of the season, like yeah. letting him get his feet wet. And then they just stopped. Well, because they started winning and, and, um, you know, the, up until last night, I, I would bet anyone, I would go, challenge anyone that the 49ers was the best NFL team in the last six weeks. Um, last night, Miami the, Dolphins. They also, yeah, Miami's very good, but but the the Niners had turned their season around. So I think they said rather than do any experimentations, um, you know, and and put the kid in a position to where it could come back Mess on it him. up yeah yeah Makes and sense. mentally and stuff so I, I think but but we'll see moving forward because that it was a real it was a dead fish last night you know he just mm. really uh did you know they they had that one touchdown late but that was all because of that run but you know run after the catch by Debo you know where he he took it like 50 yards that was you know? beautiful that, that was, was amazing yeah and he almost got in and then um and then 
But that leads to one point, though, on the, the next the touchdown that was Ayuk, Ayuko, I think. Ayuk. And, but someone had mentioned there was a list of NFL celebrations. And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if anyone saw what he did after he scored that touchdown to tie the game at 17. But he did something I've never seen anyone do in the NFL. And he didn't get a flag for it. What did he do? Oh, he kicked he, it. He kicked the ball into the stands. Like, he punted it into the stands. Like, yeah, I saw that. But, yeah, I was thinking they might call that. Yeah, no one mentioned it. No one, like, said, oh, you know, um, you know, no one said anything. And then the other play in that game that I found very interesting was on the interception in the end zone by Jimmy G in the first half. I think that the, the play clock had run out. And I, mm. I and and they didn't call it. It was and, close. And I was, if I were the 49ers, I would have challenged that and said, you know, can, is that a challengeable? Cha- uh... I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Can you challenge something, a penalty on yourself? Like, no, no, we should have got a penalty there. You know, <laughs> and because uh, oh, that's interesting. Because because that would have annulled the play, right? Yeah. If, it, if it was you that's know, anyway. some Belichick level shit, right? Exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. <laughs> Bill, Bill Walsh and these kind of guys. Who, yeah. Yeah. Bruce Bochy, you know, guys who know the, the know rule the... book so well that yeah that they can you know find a way in there. Like, oh no, look at chapter thirteen, uh, section whatever, and and then umpire referee is like, oh yeah, huh? So yeah. But anyway, that that was a really. I was really. I was bummed uh, as soon as the game ended. And they, they, they almost had that Cal Berkeley thing going there with the flea flicker for, you know, throwing the ball around for a little bit. But yeah, that yeah. was pretty, that was pretty entertaining for, yeah, it was yeah, one that, of the better ones, but those are always a bit, a bit just it, sad and, and they never work hardly ever. I should yeah, say. hardly. But, but it was, it was more, one of the more entertaining. I didn't, hadn't count the touches yet, but I think it was at least six or five or something, but. That was um, yeah. It was like a little rugby match going. Yeah, and they yeah, actually almost broke free there at one point, and then and it just kept going backwards. That would have been great. Yeah. Anyway, if the band but, doesn't run on the field, then uh, I, I, you know, it's not really a final that's play. Such an amazing play, and that was amazing. Uh, but anyway, so, so that, that's my that's my forty nine er thing. I'm really kind of bummed. Now they're back in the pack. They're they're eight and seven as opposed to be nine and six, which would have yeah. been, you know, but anyway, it, it's still NFL is it's up for grabs, you know? So, yeah. I think yeah. I might start watching now at, at the last three weeks. It's yeah. Good. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like old school. Remember the NBA basketball games. I just turn it off the last two minutes and then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we have some interesting matchups coming up this weekend. Uh, uh, of course, Buffalo travel to Gillette Fields in New England to take on the Patriots, where New England are only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, so that should be an interesting game to watch for the NF or the AFC East. Um, Dave's beloved Chargers are headed to Houston to take on the Texans, Yay. Um, who are pretty much a walkover as far as I'm I'm, I'm guessing so it's, it should it should be a game we can win but that doesn't that doesn't mean anything right yeah. now that yeah. you- and then dave what do you think about these fourth down plays i think that they're overdoing it i think it's great um at certain points you know because earlier in the year the chargers you know in one game went you know five for five on fourth down conversion it was great but if you're in field goal range and you're in a tight match against the Chiefs, kick a fucking field goal, man. Come on. Kick, you know, it's like 
I, that bothered me because we needed those points. Right. And we could, you know, we could have won that game. And that was just the, you know, the metrics and the, you know, numbers crunchers. Yeah. Just going too far, I believe, in that case. You got to met. You got to pair it with experience. You got to know when to when to just kick for three and call it a day. Or, you know, sometimes when you know it's on the thirty-five, it's fourth and two. You know, whatever. Okay, go for it. That's but a long field goal. It's a long field goal, and if your defense is is firing, then you know you you can put some faith in that. But uh, um, I, I just think that it's it's not black and white. You can't just go for it every time on fourth down you got to use a little nuance here. And I think that's where the experienced head coaches are, are better at that than the new guys that are just, Oh yeah. According to, you know, um, street and Smith's, we should, you know, <laughs> go for it right now. Well, but what about the Ravens who have a experienced coach who go for the two point versus the right. That I think, game. I think he is maybe, you know, trying to, you know, relive his youth a little bit, sort of <laughs> trying to trying to say like, I'm hip too. Look at me. Look at all these things I can do. Yeah, because um, it, again, it's that numbers racket, right? That it's numbers like, racket. You know, they're like, oh well, I could go into overtime and not win anyway. So let's take the chance right here. Right. Let's just. Like this is the overtime right here. One play. I don't, play think, that, to I don't think that was a bad deal. Like, you know. I, no, it, it's it's it, yeah, it's, it's debatable. Wait. You know what Are I mean? Are we going to get any closer than this? You know, yeah. Well, it works, but when it doesn't work, it's it's terrible. I mean, that's really you know the bottom line. If if you get it, nobody's yelling at you. But when you lose two games in a row, going for a two pointer when you could have tied <laughs> it, then that's that's uh, questionable. Yeah, you're bucking the odds at that point on the yeah. second time. I mean, yeah, but it's... I like it because I'm no fan of of the uh, Ravens. So I actually was really yeah. happy that 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 flamed up on them. But well, um... they, they have a big they have a big game this weekend. The Ravens are playing the Bengals, and that's, you mm. know, that's a couple of yeah. eight and six powerhouses. Yeah, that yeah. Is there's a, a lot of big there. games. A lot of yeah. big games. There, you Cincinnati know, it's going to go right down to the wire. Three in that game. Um... And uh, we also have the Broncos traveling to Las Vegas. Yeah. Um, that's an even push well, odds. Well, it's funny, too, because they're all sevens, right? I mean, isn't seven like it's in seven Las Vegas? In Vegas? Yeah, exactly. Lucky seven, seven and exactly. And, uh, and uh, yeah. finally, our Monday night matchup is the seven and seven Dolphins traveling to the Big Easy to take on the Saints. And Miami are actually favored in that game. Yeah, and I can't believe the Saints are 7-7. Seven and seven. I watched a few Saints games, and they've just looked terrible. And then I looked at their record, and I was like, they're just like everybody else, you know? So, yeah, I mean, it's a very, well, very weird year. After Winston, Ab, I don't know if you caught – I don't know, Ab, I don't know if you caught this in the last episode, but um, these guys were uh, cajoling me last weekend about something, and I'm like, all right, fine. I'm, I'm taking the Dolphins. So I'm just – I'm jumping on the Dolphins – yeah, and I'm riding. I'm gonna ride the dolphin all the way through Sea World. <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I didn't hear that. So, <laughs> so, so dolphins are my team for the rest of the season. Um, by the way, Sea World is is a crime against animals and should be shut down. Okay, we all agree on that. Let's let's talk about something that's uh, controversial. Okay, let's do it. Touchdown celebrations. There we go. 
for or against? Well, I mean, if it if it's black and white, I have to say for. Uh, I've seen touchdown celebrations that delighted me. Um, I've seen touchdown celebrations that I thought were stupid and seemed overly planned and con contrived that I didn't like. But I have to say, after after you proposed this topic, I went back and looked at some of the recent NFL celebrations, and the most delightful are always the either pick six or recovered for a fumble. Someone on the defensive side of the ball that you mm. didn't expect to score that, you know, they've been saving this up for maybe seasons. When are they going to get, <laughs> going to get their touchdown? They've been planning this out. And when they get in the end zone, if you're a defensive player, you go nuts, you do whatever you want and leave the stupid choreographed shit to the offensive, you know, teams okay. that score all, all day long. Green with me though, because I don't like the choreograph. It looks like there are a bunch of cheerleaders all of a sudden have arrived in the end zone. Like they've been planning this right exhibition for like all week. They got the steps, they got the moves, and it's it's so stupid. I don't mind if a defensive guy, you know, slams the ball down or like yesterday the guy jumped in the stands, you know. Right. Yeah, I, and I was wondering if That's, they were going to call a flag on that. I, I'm good singing, with that. Well, you know, the Packers when he was do sitting that. on the edge up there. I was like, you know, you know, but no other. You don't see basketball doing that. I mean, there's you, too much scoring. They'd be celebrating all night because, well, yeah, and they're well, but look at hockey. They hardly ever score. If a guy yeah. scores, he might jump into the glass or you know slide Give along the pump. ice, slide along the ice. And so the, the, that's the, it. The you famous know. one in baseball that was choreographed, if you guys remember this, was Prince Fielder with the Brewers against the Giants. He hits a home run, and it may have, I don't know if it was a game-winning home I think it was. The whole team runs out, and they circle around home plate, and Prince jumps on home plate, and they all fall down like bowling uh pins like you know yeah um, that was cute and and yeah it was cute but then the next game i think they drilled somebody for <laughs> <laughs> all right dave yeah. we haven't heard from you where do you come in on the cell nfl choreographed celebrations well i i don't like the ones where they all like go down there and do like yeah. the the photo or you know that kind of like the whole team thing that is dumb i i'm not a fan of that but I, some of the great you know let, Let's not forget about the icky shuffle. You know that I, that's one of my favorite dances. Yeah, I'm still doing that. Um, <laughs> and so, to me, I wish you were I done like it last the, weekend. I like. <laughs> were, was there dancing? I can't remember. Um, I like the individual guy doing whatever he wants. Even when Chad Ochocinco used to, you know, he'd go to the sidelines. You get a like a um, a yellow Canton um, blazer and it have something funny written on the back. So like, you know, an individual guy going way over the top, I'm good with, but the whole team getting together and rowing or, or, you know, right. Uh, <laughs> doing like funny poses. <laughs> the or, rowing. I know. No, know. the thing is like, they're like Saturday night live skits. Usually they suck once in right. a while. You're like, that was brilliant. Can, can so, I, can I recap some of them though? From because I want to go back to the origins of this. Well, yeah, I was going to go back to the origins and just say Deion Sanders. Oh, I was We're... going further back. Okay, How go ahead. further back. Billy White Shoes Johnson, Atlanta Falcons. What he did used he, to oh, do? Moonwalk? He used to do like the knees and the chicken dance. Yeah. Oh, like, right. Yep. 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 And yes. he would do that. So he was 
in my in my knowledge, he was like the first of those type, right? That, and he was like the only one who did it. And the 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 point, and I agree, agree, is that the ones that are choreographed, they stink because they show no emotion. They show no yeah. uh, spontaneity to the to the fact of scoring. Like you, it kind of loses that that excitement because it becomes like all of a sudden it's like bad uh, summer stock theater. And, <laughs> but some of the more recent ones that were interesting, obviously I think it was, um, I'm drawing a blank in his name right now, the running back for the Cowboys who jumped in the pot because they had the, the, uh, the collection pot there for the, um, for the Christmas season, the Salvation Army, Salvation Army pot. He jumped into it when he scored the touchdown. That's, that was, that's that, cool. That was pretty cool. The other ones that were a little weird was the guy who hit a Sharpie in the padding and he takes out the Sharpie and then signs the ball. And the other guy who hit a telephone. How about the telephone? Yeah, and took a selfie. (laughs) Now, now, did he have phones in both end zones? You know, like, did he? (laughs) Yeah, probably, right? Or he moved it at halftime. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, Um, but I think. I just wanted to circle back to Deion Sanders because, you know, he's a divisive figure. If he's on your team, you love him. If he's not in your team, you hate him. Um, But, you know, you could count on a Deion Sanders pick six, like almost every other week. So his, his running and his Deion shuffle and like, um, he, it was just such, such an exciting play. And I think his, his celebration was a little excessive, but it was just such a, a, wonderful kind of moment of a of a once in a generation player yeah yeah and so i'll i'll allow it it brings a smile to my face to watch Dion do his little shuffle okay do you allow this after every routine tackle a guy jumps up and like is high you know (laughs) like after every play almost yeah they gotta celebrate i don't know is is your team losing is your team losing and looking for like a little motivation, then yes. Like rally the troops somehow. Is it well, taunt? Is it excessive? Yeah, the, then no, forget it. The taunting thing has now become a really big thing because because to that point, some of these plays have been those after the tackle plays have been called for taunting, which is a you know fifteen yard penalty. Um, so it's a fine line. I was really surprised. Like I said, no flag for kicking the ball. Uh, last night, I was I was looking for it. See, but that see was it. spontaneous. Huh? I thought so yeah. too. Yeah, that was. I agree. But but in the old days, you would get a flag if you threw the ball into the stands. That's right. Um, and yeah. and now I don't think they do. I think they. I think it's a, a mixed bag. I mean, because they kind of want people to enjoy and have this kind of other thing. I mean, some of the networks even have that camera, like you guys were. I think Dave, you were talking about where they all run down because they actually have this camera set up for the mugging you know they all can mug the camera right yeah it's like mug here yeah right. exactly like a big arrow and it's a, a funny photo booth <laughs> there's a there. screen exactly because there's a screen they can see themselves they actually they have like a cowboy now. hat a feather boa like at a, at a wedding <laughs> that's a it's great old, idea it's old timey photo time at the amusement park yeah yeah exactly um, but you still can't take your helmet off no, exactly, exactly. So, which let you, these guys take their helmet off for God's sake? Well, remember uh, what's his name, Jim McMahon, for the Bears back in the day, got in trouble for having something written on his like headband or something. I don't know. Yeah. It was like, yeah, there were there was you know this whole kind of control aspect, but I don't know. I think I think overall, it's it's kind of it's mostly silly 
Uh, I would, you know, I, they should rate it and, and give a penalty based on the rating. They should have like a little group of people. <laughs> if it's no good, then yeah, you should, yeah. Get yards on the kickoff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. No, yeah, make it make it more interesting. I think they should pull the kickoff. They should kick further back anyway because the 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 returns are more fun. But how many times do people return the ball? I know on? there's no returns at all yeah. anymore. And I think they changed. And they and correct me if I'm wrong. They changed that rule because in the old days. As long as that ball was in the end zone, it was a live ball. Now it's no longer a live ball. Is that yeah, right? I was going to ask about that. Kev. Yeah, I think they changed that. You, you used to have to actually get it in the end zone and then put your knee down. Now it's just like, well, if it's in the end zone, it's just a touchdown. Right, it's just know? game over, right. But, yeah. but I think they changed it a few years ago because I, I was watching a game once and I was thinking in the old way. And I was like, the ball's free, get it. And then the referee is just like waving it off. So um, I don't know. It's... Well, they changed yeah. that in hockey, too, with icing. You don't have to go back and touch it. Oh, right. really? Oh, okay. I didn't know that. If, well, that's, um, you know, a comp- it's like a, to speed up the game, you know? it's um, Well, because too many guys would get hurt, too. Yeah. Two guys would be going for it. So yeah. now, once it goes all the way back, if it looks like I'm ahead of you, then, you know, it's icing. Right. right. If, if the defense can't get there. So once the ref makes a determination – Who's going to get there first? He just calls it. Right. I like is that. It, I is like that the that. same in soccer? <laughs> it should be. <laughs> they have icing. In, I mean, that's offsides or whatever they call that. No, they don't have icing in soccer. No, they, but they have. Can't go behind the net. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of. <laughs> that's what put that. Now we're talking. <laughs> Speaking of behind the net, did you see that play that um, the Ducks guy made the other day? From behind no. the net, no, where he lifted it up, he 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 slid his he slid the blade of his um, stick under the puck, mm-hmm. so the puck was on his stick, flat, and he just lifted it over the net. Oh. Yes, I did see this. And so he like stuffed it like almost like a dunk. Yeah, no, no, no. Let me finish. Okay, he he, <laughs> he threw it over the net with his stick and the guy who was in front of it, his playing partner slapped it out of the air past the goalie. Oh, wow. wow. Hockey is leaving the ice and going to the air. Right. Yeah. If, if this is allowed to continue, this sport could be transformed in the next year. Because, you know, people would always try, you know, when you're behind the net, nobody's, nobody really goes after you because you can't right. score from behind the net. Right, right. They leave you be. They only defend you. They let you yep. be there, yeah. and they stand around in front to see what corners, side yeah. you're going to come out on. Right. But oh, this guy really pulled off a you know, one-time thing. Maybe they should so, get those little nets like lacrosse, and they could have a thing. Well, that's what, it, that's what they're calling it, lacrosse. Oh. He made a lacrosse pass. Wow. Wow. Well, I saw one where the guy did a lacrosse blast into the back of the goalie and it sort of dribbled in. So that's another yeah, strategy. They do that sometimes. That but has a usually, name. usually more from the sides. Right. You know, it'll, they'll aim at the back of the goalie and it'll kind of bank in. But they're, right. they're kind of even with the goal, not behind it that much. This guy was directly behind the net. I'll have to watch. I'll have to find that and watch that. Yeah, I think Tyler sent that around. Yeah, it was a Ducks game. Yeah, Zebek or whatever his name is. I don't know. 
Wow. Seems like it should be a high sticking. You're not supposed to bring the stick high enough to that you could, you know, lacrosse a puck over the top of the goal. You know, that's my feeling. Well, as long as the puck is below shoulder height, oh, you can hit it into the goal. Okay. See what I mean? Yeah. If the puck was like up, you know, like five feet high, you couldn't take your stick and hit it down into the goal. You could only hit it when it's level with the top, pretty much the top of the net. Right. If oh, it's so it's a shoulder height is the is the rule, the current rule. For scoring a goal. So if you get a really tall guy, he's got more uh, – he could have more advantage. So what you're saying is let – th- let me throw a, a hypothetical out here. Let's say there's a defender, you know, on a, a – starting a power play, you know, and – as you know, most of the other team, the four guys would be like on their end of, of the ice. He could flip the puck onto his stick and do an entire cross ice throw of the puck and just like try to like land it somewhere in the middle of, you know, and somebody zone. else is going to whack it out of thin, out of, out of the air. And someone's going to try to whack it once it gets to shoulder or shoulder you height. Could. I think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's difficult to get the puck on your stick like that. Yeah. But if they're teaching it in the schools, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the hockey know, schools it, of of Winnipeg. The hockey schools. I mean, if it got too too popular, they probably would outlaw it. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it was taken away from the skill of the game, like right. the guy could put it on his stick and just be skating with it on his stick like a then it really becomes lacrosse yeah but these guys are so good i mean they don't even look at the puck when they're skating with it yeah they can feel where it is like you and i would you know right they're just looking at the you know where they're going and they're just stick handling it's amazing Yeah. yeah but they're good muscle reaction they're just yeah they're amazing they can feel the weight of the puck on the on the blade of the stick and just uh, just know where they have it already without even looking right it's like if yeah. you were, it's like if you were throwing a ball between your two hands you know right next to each other like right flipping let me a ball see if from, i can do that from one hand to the other yeah I, i'm doing that right now and it's fairly easy yeah closing my eyes so, someone get ready to call yeah. the. Call well, the yeah. ambulance. Can you try that with knives? You probably Wendy, a, Wendy went to the other room. Pepe probably can't get a guy to come and replace your window on Christmas Eve. So, yeah, <laughs> it's going to cost you. All right. Well, this has been wonderful. I will let you all um, get on with your holiday preparations. Um, thank you all for joining. Ab, it's been a wonderful. It's been wonderful having you. A lot of fun. Thanks for letting me get in so many topics, but yeah, no, great we, topics. Yeah, I'll come up with one new topic once in a while. I'll let you. You, have, you always have the you have the great stories, so I really, really. I got the history thing. Yeah, no, well, but just for you know experiences. I mean, I'm still, I still, you know, my favorite is the 
Chicago Cardinals uh, one-on-one ratio of fans versus players. So that is pretty epic. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be hard yeah. to top that one. <laughs> that that is a, that is that's a hard to top. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just what it, what I loved about got, it is just I still got the Italian Open golf tournament. Oh yeah, we'll in get Milwaukee. into that next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. We're going to get all into that stuff. We'll probably need to have Uncle Bruce on if we're going to talk about. Italian stuff. Maybe he'll join us next time. Well, yeah, we'll have to talk about the Balsa brothers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. Everybody, there we you like... have it. That's one thing <laughs> Dave and I can agree on, the Bosa brothers. Yes. The Bosa brothers. Exactly. And the Italian Open. I'm putting these on ab topics <laughs> next episode. Yeah. Well, All the, right, the everybody. Bosa brothers, the Bosa brothers have a pretty pretty uh, infamous family. Yes. Yes, they Too do. Bad. But according to Uncle Bruce, they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> but we do. Yeah. <laughs> All well, right. And on that... As long as they stay at arm length away from okay, me, that's okay. a good, that's a good, Yeah, that's a good teaser. All right. Yeah, Next okay. episode, you're going to be hearing about the Bolsa Brothers. All right, All right everybody. Have All a right. great Christmas. Love you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See Love you guys. guys. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Ciao. Oh, my God. It's so baseball.